This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Again, thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us. We are continuing in the book of Galatians this morning, where we have been uh, going verse by verse uh, over the last uh, several weeks, and uh, I am excited for this morning. I have uh, I kind of wrestled back and forth if I taught this lesson or if I did something different for this week and then came back and, and uh, taught it uh, after the series that will kick off next week. I have chosen to go with it, but uh, we are continuing in on this series, and really what we're going to do today is we're going to go backwards. So we're going to read out of Galatians chapter number 3, where we left off last week, and then we're going to jump back into the book of Genesis. And so we're going to go uh, a lot into the book of Genesis this morning. And if you have your Bible with you today, we will start in Galatians, and pretty much everything from there on out will be in the book of Genesis. And we're going to read quite a bit of Scripture. And so I pray um, that you will open the Word of God And you will read through that with me. If you don't have your Bible, it will be on the screens or you can use your phone or whatever it is. But uh, I I strongly encourage you this morning just to to, to track with me through the, the book of Genesis where we will spend a good portion of our time this morning. The question that's been at the discussion of everything really so far up to this point is, is really comes down to this thought of how do I stand before, how can I be right before God? So we've talked about salvation, we've talked about justification, we've talked about all of these things and and having a right standing before God. How is it that one day when this life will come to an end, I can stand before God and be declared righteous? How will, how does that happen? The Judaizers have come in, they've taught, they've been trying to to hijack all of these things from the Galatians, the church is there, they have been hitting on all of this. You have to be saved plus add all of these other things. And Paul's been kind of arguing back and forth, debating back and forth, and today what we're going to get to is Paul kind of got to the end of his rope, if you will. Paul's been irritated throughout the whole thing. Paul's been dealing with these people And he says, you know what? Enough is enough. At some point, you have to punch the bully in the nose. What were the Galatians or what were the Judaizers telling them? You have to, you can accept Christ, but then you have to do what? You have to go back to the law. You have to go back to circumcision. You have to go back to all of these things. And Paul says, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm just going to kind of throw out the trump card, if you will. Not the president, but we live in Vegas. Anyway, I'm going to throw out the trump card. I'm going to punch the bully in the nose, and I'm going to, I'm going to call this kind of, we're going, to, we're going to hit this head on. And so here what we're coming into is Paul pulls out Abraham. Abraham is the heir. Abraham or is, is an, a hero in the faith to them. He is a founding father of the Hebrew nation. He was held in great reverence and great awe of the Jews. And he kind of gets to the point and he goes, you know what? 
Let's get right down to it. Let's go back to history, because if you're saying that we come to know Christ and we're in right standing by Christ because of all of the things that we do, let's go back to Abraham. You all know who this is. Let's go hit this guy. And he jumps into this. And so this morning, we are going to dive into Galatians chapter 3 for a moment. Then we're going to go back in, because I believe with everything If we don't fully grasp some of the the big nuggets of Genesis with all of the steps of Abraham, we won't fully grasp what Paul is really addressing here in the book of Galatians. And so I'm going to have a sermon, then we're going to have four weeks and you're going to forget it. I'll have to readdress some of this stuff uh, in a a few weeks, but uh, I believe that this can be helpful not only to those of you today, but I believe it'll be helpful uh, as we go through and continue to go through the book of Galatians. And let me just say this, and I, I don't, I've not received any of this, and I pray that this isn't the case at all, but some of you might sit here and you go, listen, pastor, we've been going down this road for weeks. You've said some of the same things about justification and how it's salvation by, it's only by faith, and, and it's the grace of God and me placing my faith and trust in him, and uh, okay, we got it. I hope none of you say that this morning. I hope that's not your intention or that's your, not your thought in the back of your mind. Well, pastor, you've been saying the same thing. Because everything that we're going to look at today, it, it all has to do with everything that we do. The gospel is not just, yes, I placed faith and trust in Christ. And I've said this countless times over the last 12, 13 weeks. The gospel is not just that I said a prayer and I placed faith in Christ. The gospel permeates every aspect of my life, or it ought to. And so this morning, as we dive into some of these things, if you have a desire to grow in your understanding of the gospel, if you have a desire to live in a manner that would be honoring to God, if you have a desire to walk in dependence on God, Today and all of this has so much to do with you. I've said it here from the pulpit. I wish I could say it was my own personal uh, statement. But I've said this. We never outgrow the gospel. We only grow into the gospel. We never outgrow the gospel. Everything through scripture is woven into the gospel. Everything there in our whole lives ought to be the same. And so as you are growing, as you're walking, and as we are going through these uh, This book and the whole Bible as a whole, everything comes back to this. And so this morning, Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse number 6, we're going to read to verse number 14. And then, like I said, all of my points are going to be out of the book of Genesis. And we're going to go through a lot of passages of Scripture in the book of Genesis. And so go with me to Galatians chapter number 3, starting in verse number 6. It says this, even as Abraham believed God... And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And we're going to look at that, where that is, in the book of Genesis in just a moment. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through, what's it say? Faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they, which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham, 
For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, of, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. We're going to look at that there in Genesis. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man, the men that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us. From the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, my prayer is that we would grow, that we would learn, and Lord, it ultimately comes back to you and your word, you speaking in and through us that we can grasp and understand the truths of your word. And today I ask that you would do that for each one that sits in this room. Lord, would you reveal yourself through your word to us today and make it more clear. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As I stated, we're going to be in Genesis. So if you want to jump to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter number 12 is where we're going to hit the first point or the first thought. For the next couple chapters in the book of Galatians, really you're going to begin to look at several things, answering the question of how was Abraham made right and all of these different things. But as we look at this today, Genesis chapter number 12, I I simply have this, God's promise of a blessing. In Genesis chapter number 12, verses 1 through 3, it says this, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed." So we don't know every little detail of what took place prior to this in Abram's life, but we understand this. Abram was minding his own business. Abram was doing his own thing. Abram was in Haran, Haran, where he, or Haran where he grew up, his hometown. He was with his family. He was with his friends. He was doing all the things that he did, minding his own business, and God shows up. Have any of you ever been in a spot where you were minding your own business and God showed up and you're like, wait, time out. I'm not ready for that. Anybody? Abram was doing his own thing. And all of a sudden, God comes and it says that God was speaking. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, God just shows up and begins to speak to him. It had been pretty quiet from the time of Tower of Babel up until this point. Prior to this, there had been a a blessing and a promise after the flood Then the judgment at the Tower of Babel, and there had been several years that there was a lot of silence from God, and now God comes and speaks to Abram. And he doesn't speak to Abram and say, hey, Abram, I've got a question for you, would you? He says, Abram, go. He commanded Abram. And so we're we're here in this spot. He says, get out. He says, leave your country, leave your homeland, leave your father's house. Maybe for you, you can correlate in some ways how God has worked in your own life. But has there ever been a time where it was, think about this, he said, leave your country. I have no desire to leave my country. But if God were to say, hey, Aaron, leave your country. All right, that's okay. 
But then he says, he takes it closer to that. He says, no, okay, leave your country. But then he says what? Leave your homeland. Then he brings it even closer. So now it's country, now it's homeland, now it's what? Leave your father's house. It becomes a big, oh, you go like, ah, I could do that. That's not bad. No, but now I need you to leave here. And it's like, uh, that's a little more personal. No, now I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave this. It's from, sometimes it's just bigger, where you think, oh, that's not too bad. Then it gets a little closer and a little closer. So we've got this. Then he gives the promise. I will make you a great nation. That is that God is going to miraculously multiply. God is going to do something bigger than him. And, and Abram's going in the back of his mind, it's me and my wife. <laughs> How are we having a great nation? It's me and her. He doesn't quite understand. He says, I will make your name great. Abram, your name will be great among the nations. I will bless the ones who bless you, and what? I will curse those who curse you. And it says in verse number four, what does it say? So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. So we see here the first step that Abram took. He went. Abram did not know where he was going, but yet he picked up. He left his home. He left all of the comforts of the land that he had, and he left to walk to do something that he didn't know what was going to happen. He takes all of his stuff. He takes his wife. He takes, uh, there was a, a few others that went with him, but he, he takes everything and he begins to go out on faith. I think for some of us, I don't know about you, but think about the framework of this. If God were to call you to go do something crazy right now, you would probably begin to talk to somebody. Some of you might be calling me and be like, Pastor, this is what I really feel God is calling me to do. Would you, would you pray for me? God, would you, or Pastor, would you, uh, uh, would you counsel me? I'm, I know for me, that's what I'm doing. I'm calling some of the people that I love dearest and be like, listen, this is what I really feel God is calling me to do. I don't know what to do. Abram didn't have any of that. Abram had no framework. He literally just left to go. You and I have a general framework. God, you've got to reveal it through the word of God, through your scriptures. God, you've got to do this. God, you've got to do this. And we have all these things. Abram just said, all right, in faith, I'm going. He didn't counsel. He didn't do any of those things. He picked up. And he left. Abram was 75 years of age. He took his wife, Sarah, Sarai. He took Lot, his brother's son, the substance that they could bring, some of the people from Haran, and they left. This is the beginning of the journey of faith with Abram. Not of perfect faith. This is part of the thing, the story that I love. This isn't a perfect faith. <laughs> Abram left on faith, and we'll see many times throughout the story here in the next few minutes, Abram wasn't like, it wasn't perfect sailing. Abram pulled some bonehead moves where he ought to have had faith, but he chose not to, and he didn't. But this is the beginning. It was from this passage in Genesis that Paul writes in Galatians, all of the nations shall be blessed in you. It's in verse 3, Moses writes that in you, all the families of the earth, it has always been the desire of God that the nations would know him, that all would come to him. 
but how? How did all of this happen? What were all of the things that we just read? Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, out from the kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land, and I will make you. He didn't say, I will make all of these things happen. There was a stipulation. What was the stipulation? Go on what? Faith. God said, do all of these things in faith. First thought, first statement, God's promise of a blessing. God promised Abram a blessing. Go with me to Genesis 15. Flip over a little bit. God's promise of a son. So in Genesis chapter 15, we begin to pick up here at the beginning of this chapter in verse number 1. And it says, After these things... The word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. God, you are promising me a son. You are promising me all these things. You're promising me a nation. But the one that is in my house isn't even of my own blood. What are you going to give to me? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given me given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine, is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven. And tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed. Abram believed in the Lord. And it says this, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So we got in verse number one, it says, and after these things, what are these things? Obviously, you'd have to go back from verse chapter 15. You'd have to go back into 14, back into 13. So you go between 12 and chapter 15 and you begin to go, what are these things? And I don't have the time to go through everything, but nothing was simple. They packed up. They left in faith. Can you imagine jumping out in faith and everything not going as smooth as you thought it would? How many of you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? How many of you after that, everything was just like, oh man, this is perfect? No. God never promised that. But in faith, you said, God, I believe. And you believed and you stepped out in faith. Abram was no different. He set out. He left, his, uh, he left and, and then he hits famine. He comes to a place where he lies and said that his wife is his sister. Uh, The land wasn't able to support he and Lot and the flock, and they eventually split. There There was a raid of his possessions, and then there was a recouping of his possessions, and there was all of these conquering things of invading kings, and there's all this stuff going on. He comes, and he then goes to Melchizedek, and he gives a tenth. He places out in faith. So this is all, that's really quick. Of what was taking place. And that's really not a great synopsis. But that's a little bit of what was taking place. Go back and read it. So after these things. After all of the perfect things that happened. When Abram decided to flee and leave. And obey God. All of those perfect things happened. Could you imagine that? 
Abram and his family leaves and they hit famine. God, why would you do this to me? God, you just called me. You told me to leave, and so I left. Why would you tell me to leave? And then I hit famine. Everywhere I should go should be plenteous. This is the situation that Abram's in. So the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Again, maybe Abram was frustrated. It doesn't really state, but I, I can't imagine that everything was just, oh, that's great. But they haven't gone as planned. He hadn't settled in the land that he was supposed to. The seed that they were talking about, this great nations, these things haven't taken place. God, I don't, the only one that's in my house isn't even my own. What do I do? And the Lord says this. Think about what they just came out of. They just came out of some form of a battle. They just was conquering. They had lost all of his stuff. Then he went back to get all of his stuff. And he came, comes out and it says this. Fear not, for I am thy shield. I don't know about you, but there's not many times where you just walk around and you're just like, oh, hey, fear not. <laughs> hey, Robert, fear not. No, when do we say that? When we have fear in our lives. When, there's, when we're fearful is when we say, hey, it's going to be okay, just calm down. God comes to, to Abram and God says, Abram, fear not, for I, I am your shield. I will be your protector. I will be your provider. I will be the one that stands in front of you and makes sure that things are going to be okay. I will be that for you. I am your shield and your great reward. Do not fear. Have you ever stepped out in faith And said, God, I know that you're calling me to this. And then fear and uncertainty has happened. There's been times in my life, maybe you moved to a new place. Maybe you're sitting in Las Vegas today going, God, why did you bring me to Las Vegas? Here I am in the middle of the wilderness. Why would you bring me to this desert land? I don't understand. My family's over there. Everybody else is over here. They're doing this. I don't even get it. It's coming into fall, and I can't even see the colors on the trees. The only fall we get is pumpkin spice. Gag. Sorry. But we're in this place. I've, I've been here for 15 years. My wife and I and our family has been here for 15 years. I can't count how many people have said, I live here and I absolutely hate it. I don't know why God brought me here. It's countless. But you know what? Maybe that's where you're at. We can understand that God told him to believe have faith. Let me ask you this. Could God have told Abram in chapter number 12, go do this. Here's the blessing that it'll be. All of these people, if they curse you, they'll be cursed and blah, blah, blah. Go through all of those things. In this blessing, when you step out on faith, if you step out on faith, could God not have just stopped the world and said, boom, there you are, Abram? Could he not have done that? Absolutely. Would Abram have learned anything? No. It's the same for your life and mine. We always talk, and everybody does it. The rich kid, right? 
He was given everything. Now he's 21 years old and he has to go get his own job. Doesn't know how to work. This isn't the case for everybody. But we, spoiled. We talk about kids being spoiled, right? They're so spoiled. They're so spoiled. What's the problem of being spoiled? One, pretty much everybody was. But what's the problem with being spoiled? When it's just been spoon-fed, we miss out on the process. And so when we look at this stuff and we look at all these things, God easily could have just said, there it is. God easily could have done that for any of us. But there's a process. God gives us a promise, presents us a problem, then He provides. Listen, for all of us, there is a promise that we can hold to. If I were to ask you this and you were to begin to say, God, I want to know you deeper. God, I want to know your character. God, I want to walk in deeper faith. God, I want, to, I want you to show me. God, we prayed it just a couple weeks ago. We had a, a time of prayer where I said, God, would you examine me? If I were to ask all of you today, if you were to just raise your hand and say, yes, I want to walk closer to God. I don't know anybody that would say, no, I have no desire to walk closer to God. Everybody that sits here would in some way, shape, or form say, absolutely, I want to have a closer walk with God. So why is it when we ask for a closer walk with God, when God presents us with a problem, we run from it? We don't like the process, but it's in the process that we get to know God. That's a lot of these things that we're looking at. I don't know how many times I've said, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to be more like you. And then the problem happens, and I'm like, wait, I didn't ask for that. But it was that that brought me closer to him. It was that that reveals who I am at the heart. But we quit. We don't maintain and we don't hold on to the promise, the promise of knowing God in a more intimate way, the promise of having his character, the promise of whatever that it is. Abram continued to hold on to the promise. There's been 10 years since chapter number 12, and not much has happened. As we continue in this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to have to fly through some of this, but I believe this is so incredibly powerful if we can begin to understand all of these things. Abram says, hey, what, God, or what are you going to give to me? He says, come outside. God, how is this going to happen? How are these nations going to happen? And, and God is conversing with Abram, and what does he say? Hey, why don't you, why don't you come outside? In verse number... Uh, was it five? And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. He says to Abram, Hey, hey, Abram, why don't you come on outside and just look up at these stars? Hey, can you number those? Hey, Abram, can you number those stars? Abram's like, No. And that's going to be what it's going to be like. That is going to be what it is. These are the descendants. And it says in verse number six, and he believed in the Lord. And he believed and God accounted it to him for righteousness. How 
was he in right standing with God? Because he believed. How are you in right standing with God when you believe? See, that word believe in all of these words that we see in the book of Genesis, in this passage of Scripture, belief and accounted, all of those words are words that we've recently just looked at in the book of Galatians. We've looked at reckon and imputed and all of these things as we've kind of talked through this justification process and all of these things. Believe is this. It is unqualified commitment of oneself to another. It is me having an unqualified commitment of myself to another. It says that he what? He believed in the Lord. That is that God, you are, you are now, I have, I, I have no stipulation on what you have in my life. There is no more stipulation. I believe wholeheartedly. Everything with me I believe. There is no stipulation anymore from you in my life. I'm not, bo- I'm not blocking anything. And it says that God counted him as righteous. Abram didn't believe if God would. Abram didn't believe if he had to do this. Abram said, God, I believe. There is no stipulation between that. And God says, I would reckon that to you. I would credit that to your account. I would uh, credit that, again, we've talked about this, to Abram's spiritual account. Not based on his actions, but rather based on his belief. He was declared righteous. The plan has never changed. Paul is teaching again the Galatians and he's saying this is what it was all the way back here. This is the guy that you, you place so much weight on the, the shoulders of Abraham. This is who he, this is all these things and it never changed. It was always that way. Always belief. Always faith. Romans chapter 4, it talks about that uh, in, in verse number 11. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 5, it says, um, Romans 4 and verse 5, it says this, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted. Again, that same word counted as his Genesis is counted for righteousness. And as we go forward in Genesis, I want you to keep with me in Genesis chapter 15. I want you to read forward a little bit. In verse number 7, it says this. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer. Of three years old, and a she goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And in verse number 12, and when the sun was going down, what does it say? A deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. 
I'm going to continue to read in just a moment, but I want us to understand what was taking place. There was about to be a covenant that took place, and so Abram was told to go and grab these animals, and they literally would, they would cut the animal in half, and they would place part of the animal here facing this part of the animal here, and they would face each other on opposite sides of each other. And so Abram does that. He cuts the animals. He places them down. And then it says, Abram was put to sleep. And God begins to speak to him from verse 12, and then you see in verse 13 and 14 and 15 and so on, God is speaking to them. I want to I say this with, when it comes to this covenant. There was two kind of traditions, if you will, and why this would happen. But it could be two different things. One of them, if it was a warring country, so me and, uh, let's say, me and, me and Murray are at war with each other, and we are ruling kings, and I'm at war with Murray, and Murray is at war with me, and all of you are in the midst of this. So Murray has his side, and I have my side. I think we're better looking. We're all right. So in this, all of us have now, we've come to the place, you've all died. Murray's alive, and I'm alive, so it doesn't matter how good looking you are. <laughs> Murray and I would come to the place where we would have to make a covenant that we are no longer going to do this ever again. We're not going to fight with each other. We're not going to look at all of the carnage that it was because we were at war with each other. And Murray and I would walk in the midst of the carnage and we would come to a place with the bloodshed that was all around us and we would get to a place and we would say, we're not doing this again. That was one. The other was what we're looking at. You have the sacrifice on this side. You have the sacrifice on this side. And the animals are here. And I'll use Murray just because we were using it. And Murray and I would be doing a, a, we would make a covenant. And we would walk through the bloodshed of the animals. And as we would walk through the bloodshed of the animals, we would take the blood of those and we would begin to put that on ourselves and we would make a covenant between each other that, Murray, you're going to uphold your responsibility of it. I'm going to uphold my responsibility and this will never happen again. Because you're going to uphold yours and I'm going to uphold mine. There's a responsibility here. Let's look at this, what takes place. Verse number 17, If you, I would encourage you to read through there, but in verse number 17, and it came to pass. So let's go back to 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Verse 17, and it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. So you have this passing between the two pieces. In verse 18, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. You might go, what does this have to do? How does this make, what, what is going on here? So, where was Abram? He was asleep. If we were to make a covenant, who would be in it? Abram and God. But there was no Abram because Abram was asleep. So God does what God does and God walks through and God makes a covenant saying what? 
I will hold all responsibility on my shoulders, not on Abram, but all of the responsibility is now on his shoulders. If we were to go back and we move forward into the New Testament, Jesus did what? He carried the weight on his shoulders. He walked alone through the tra- through all of those things, carrying that weight on his shoulders, holding all the responsibility. This matters. This matters. So God walks as Abram is put to sleep. The animals have been split and walks and God walks the midst. Abram did not pass between the sacrifice and and it it was important because God took the responsibility. God has entered into a covenant with us. And in the glory of the only begotten Son who passed through between God and us, all who believe have have like Abram a sign or a pledge and the gift of the Spirit, whereby they may know that they shall inherit the heavenly realm. Abram couldn't help God. Abram was helpless. Abram was asleep. God had to wait for Abram to die to himself. Today, God waits for us to what? Die to ourself. To realize that I can't do anything. I am placing belief. And what is that belief? He believed without question. There is no There's nothing that I hold. God, when I place faith and I believe in you, I am saying you hold everything and you have untethered access to anything to take out and to rip out. Abram could not help it. The path God walked, no one could walk. Jesus walked it alone. The whole responsibility is on God. God takes responsibility for bringing righteousness. Jesus walked that Calvary hill alone, carrying all that weight. The next one is in verse, or chapter 17, if you continue to move forward. God's sign of circumcision, John, or John Genesis 17, 1 through 10. And when Abram was 90 Years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Again, 99. Abram's going, All right, God, at some point, what is going to happen? I've been being faithful for years now. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Again, God, Abram's like, all right. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee 
the Lord wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. And this is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. So God is going through all of these things. He calls Abraham out. He begins to ask him. He changes his name to Abraham. Abraham was declared righteous 14 years prior. We are now looking again 20 years. And nothing has happened. And so God comes to Abraham now. I want to share with you something. Abram falls on his face. God says, my covenant is with you. You are now called Abraham. You are now the father of many nations. He says, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And here's the covenant. (laughs) Now, this is as fun of a situation to deal with anywhere. But he says, here's the covenant. Go back to all of the grown men in your group and say, guys, we've been doing this for a long time. And God came back to me and God spoke to me. And this is what God said. Can't imagine there was a bunch of dudes who were like, yeah. Don't imagine. That's what God had called him to do. And so what does Abram do? Abraham, he is once again obedient and faithful and in faith takes another step this is simply an outward responsibility of the covenant relationship it is the cutting away of the sin that was inherent that was passed from one generation to another it was a faith decision to cut the foreskin again a physical sign in a heathen world Fourteen years after Abram was justified. So Abram wasn't justified. Just think about it. The Judaizers, what were they saying? Justification came by what? Circumcision. Wait a second. In chapter 15, God said Abram was what? Declared righteous. In chapter 17, nearly 15 years later, Circumcision. Wait. The Judaizers were saying what? Circumcision was part of justification. Wait, it can't be. There was 15 years difference. He was declared righteous before circumcision was ever told to him. Again, Paul goes back and utilizes history, goes back and utilizing the word of God. So we see God's sign of circumcision. The last point this morning is the promise of Isaac. The promise of Isaac, if we continue to move forward, we've got chapter 22. Chapter 22. I'm going to read most all of this, and I I pray that some of these pieces, there's a lot that's in between all of this that we aren't hitting. But all of this ties into Galatians in righteousness, in what we've been hitting on in so many ways. It's also something that to me is so 
it's so powerful when you stop and you look because so many times all we think about of Abraham, all we think about was, oh, he just was so faithful. We don't realize all throughout all of this, Abraham made a bonehead decision after a bonehead decision after a bonehead decision. Then he comes back and he says, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to be faithful. Abram wasn't perfect. Just like you and I aren't perfect, but we live by faith day by day by day saying, God, I trust. God, in faith, I'm doing this. God, I don't understand this, but God, I will. Because the process is given so that we know him. Because what, and why do we continue? Because I know the promise. I know what's coming. There's something greater than anything that we will ever face on this earth one day. If you have no greater promise that you can hold to as a believer, hold dear to the promise that God, at one point, you will see God face to face for all of eternity and worship Him. But I promise you this, there is a lot of promise that God's Scripture gives us for every day of our life. Somebody's car is getting broke into. It'll stop in a minute when they pull out. <laughs> Genesis 22. That's going to be, I've never, I've not had this one yet. So uh, turn me up a little loud. No, I'm just kidding. Genesis 22. And we're going to read quite a bit here, but I, I believe most know this story, but it's powerful as we go through. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains. It must be our car. (laughs) Upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Then and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Verse number four, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with me, the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, which uh, I'll, I'll read and explain what that is in the Hebrew, which is so incredible in just a moment. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, 
seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless Thee and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. We come to this. Abraham is now a hundred years old plus. Sarah is 90. They hadn't had a son and now all of a sudden we, we come to this passage of scripture. All the promises hadn't come to place. It's been 25 years. Abraham and faith left in chapter 12. In chapter 15, he was promised that there would be a son, it'd be a father of many nations. He comes out of this passage and we come into this and still, what's going on? And in verse number one, I love this. After all of these things, That God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. After all of these things, from chapter 12 to chapter 22, 25 years or so, do you think Abraham had been tested enough? (laughs) In my mind, I'm going... God, I'm pretty sure I've done just about everything. I've left. God, I've tried to be faithful. God, and yet here you are and you say, I'm going to tempt you. I'm going to test you. What does Abram do or Abraham? He says, behold, here I am. God, here I am. God, I'm here to listen. And he goes through this story, take your son and offer him as a sacrifice. He's in in, in his mind. I I can't imagine that there's anything more we would see that in Hebrews 11, it speaks, though, he was faithful. He was taking his son and he put him on the altar. And he says, it says in Hebrews 11 that he trusted in the such and so much so that even if his son were to die that God would bring him back to life he had that much faith in what was taking place right now see God has a perfect plan Abraham gets up in the morning he grabs his son he takes the wood that's for a burnt offering it says he laid it on Isaac in the Hebrew reading it says it would say this in a literal meaning, laying a cross on his back is what it says for Isaac putting, or Abraham putting the wood upon Isaac's back. Think about this. They don't even believe that. The Jews don't believe that. But yet in their own 
text in their own language, it says the meaning behind that is that he put the cross upon his back. He took the fire. He took the knife. He walked with Isaac. Isaac says, Dad, where's the lamb? I can't imagine. I don't know how Abraham doesn't look at his son with tears strolling down his face and says, Son, God will provide that. God will provide that. But he says what? He says, God will provide. And he knows It says in Hebrews again, 11, you've never withheld from me that God was able to raise him up from even from the dead. If that's what it would be. Abraham didn't just think Abraham believed with everything in him. There's so many times in my life. There's so many times in my life I would. I know that God could perform a miracle, but do I truly live and believe that God will perform a miracle? Abraham went with his son, and it wasn't that Abraham knew that God could. He believed with everything in him that God would provide the miracle. And if it was that he had to kill his own son, that God would raise him back up from the dead. He believed with everything in faith. He kept on walking and he kept on walking. And when his son says, Dad, what's going on? God will provide. Today, it's no different. Today, it's no different. Paul is going to these men. He's going back to the Galatians. He's going back to the Judaizers. He's going back to all them. And he's saying, listen, Abraham was accounted righteous because of his faith. Look at this story. All of these things, everything that comes to. Here's what I do. God, here you go. And then just like Abraham, what did Abraham do? God, you said you would give me a child, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. God, let me help you out in this situation. God, let me step in because I, I know how this is going to happen. We cannot do Anything to help God out. It's by faith that I believe. I would love to think that I have faith enough to take my son and lay him on an altar and say, God, I know without a doubt that you're going you're gonna to do something right now. I'd like to think that I would. I don't know. I don't know that I could. (laughs) But it was in faith that he said, God, here I am again. God says, why don't you take your son? Why don't you go? This morning, let me plead with you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how much this whole passage of scripture is 
have impacted or impacting you right now to think through all of these things, the faith of Abraham, and it was his faith. But I would say this to you. Here in our situation, we've hit on this so many times. It's, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Yes, God, I I want you to be the Lord of my life. Yes, I will believe in salvation. Yes, all of these things. And then we do it, and we come over here, and we begin to try to help God throughout the process. All of this is God saying to Abraham, God saying, Paul saying to the Galatians, I say to you, I have to speak to myself, is Aaron, you can't help God. Aaron, step out in faith. Aaron, walk the walk that God has given you. You don't need to help. Listen, I don't need to help God. I don't. So why do I get mad when I say, God, in tears, I might sit down at an altar, sit down at a chair, and I'd say, God, I need you. God, I want to walk the walk that you have called for me. God, I want to know you more. God, I'm begging you that you would change my heart, that you would change me, that I would be a a man in your character, that I would have the fruits of the Spirit, that I would blah, 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 blah. We go through all of those things, and then we leave the church house, and then we get so angry with God when God tries to to purify us, to, to, to light the fire underneath of us. What's the fire? The fire is making us who he needs us to be. And we go, God, I'm done with this. How can you do this to me? God's saying, I'm doing this to you because I need you to be more like my son. It's a daily living faith. Every day, all day. And I'm going to screw it up. And I'm going to have to get right back up. I praise God that Abraham got right back up. And he said, God, here I am. This morning, I don't know if you are one that would say, I've done everything my whole life to try to be a good person, to be in right standing with God. This morning, all I can say to you is this. God is not after you being a good person. God is after you and I in faith saying, I believe there is no strings attached. God, you have all access. You have full reign of everything in me. I believe. If you've never done that this morning, I can't plead with you enough to today being the day that you would say, God, I place my faith and trust in you Because you are all that I need. And believer this morning, you would say, I've done all of those things. I know that I can't work and earn this salvation. Then I would plead with you. Would you start right now and say, God... I know that you are the Lord of my life. I know that you're my Savior. I believe that. There's too many guarded boxes in my heart because I've not believed enough to give everything to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info 
at oasislv.church.